All right, we're in uh, 1 John chapter 1. We'll read the first four verses together after I pray. I don't know, maybe if I throw a hand grenade. I love that you love each other. I really do, and we haven't done that, so maybe you're trying to catch up and stuff. But I'm just a little bit concerned with the abbreviated time, and I really want to get some stuff taken care of this morning. So we're in 1 John. We're starting the epistle of 1 John today, and this will change your life forever. He's saying, you you got a lot of faith in your preaching. I don't. I have a lot of faith in the Word of God. And, you know, some will say, like, well, isn't that just written by a bunch of men? What? How silly are you? Didn't you remember when we were in First, Second Peter chapter 2, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. No one sat down and said, I think I'll write the Bible today. That never happened, okay? So any, anyone who thinks that, well, that's contrary to fact. Um, but it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it didn't come about by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, literally born along by the Holy Ghost. Who wrote the Bible? The Holy Ghost did. Well, I thought Moses did. Well, Moses and, and John and Luke and, and Nehemiah and, as, and Isaiah, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit to write. We have the exact word of God flawlessly recorded. This is the way he wanted us to have it. And here we are. Uh, so we're in First John chapter 1. Like I say, this will change your life forever. Uh, it's an incredible book uh, by somebody who is incredible. And uh, I don't know, without any further ado, let's just jump in. Let's pray. Lord, I, I don't think I've overstated the, I mean, your word. and it, it changes everything. We heard the gospel, and we were on our way to hell. And then we accepted, we embraced the Savior that was presented in the gospel. And now we're on our way to heaven. Now we're adopted by you. Now we're new creations in Christ. I mean, look at what your word has done. For a long time, in a lot of places, you've changed lives eternally. You've changed ours, and we thank and praise you for that. So Lord, I pray you'd bless your, uh, your word. Spirit of God, take your place as our teacher. And way past my inability to communicate, Lord, Speak to the, that, that deep place in our heart. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. First Epistle of John, I'll read the first four verses, and that's all we'll get today. It's kind of a prologue. John has a, uh, he has a habit of doing that. In the book of the Revelation, chapter 1 is the prologue. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1 is the prologue. You say, what about second and third John? Well, more of an introduction than a prologue. But here in First Epistle of John is a prologue, and it's and it's the first four. And if you, get, if you understand the first four verses, you understand the rest of the book. Uh, and he just takes these verses and he develops them and he expands on them and he defines them and he redefines them. It's kind of like, and he's drilling down deeper and deeper. Drilling where? Into our hearts, into our psyche, into our being. And like I say, this will change you forever. You can't, you can't read this and just stay the same. Or you're some sort of reprobate, some sort of shipwrecked, I don't care what the Bible says, I'm just going to do my own thing anyway. I don't think so. I think this, this book will, will take you and shake you. Okay, first four verses, let's read. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That uh, which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, 
that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Now, uh, you know, it starts out that which was from the beginning. What beginning? The beginning of John's ministry, the beginning of John's life, the beginning of his Christian experience, the beginning when he met Jesus. Oh, no, no, the beginning. It kind of, if you read John chapter 1, and we'll go there in a minute, it kind of harks back to Genesis chapter 1. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1. And actually, go with me. We'll spend some time in Genesis, just a little bit of time. We'll spend more time in in John chapter 1. But let's go to Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, when we were in our study in Genesis, I gave you that in the Hebrew, and and we looked at all the numerical, the stupendous, the incredible. You should get that recording. You should download that if you haven't. Uh, It it takes the law of averages, that one phrase, and pushes it out of uh, in such and such a way that it's it's not even. I don't know how to explain it. God said something, and it was so incredible, and he proved that he created in the text. You have to, you have to, you have to listen to it. I can't, if I develop it here, that's all, I won't get any farther. In the beginning, Elohim, gods, literally, you know, Im and, and a lot of Hebrew nouns, are, that's how they pluralize. We add S or ES or something like that, or some, every once in a while we'll say, you know, you know, one mouse, two mice. We change our plurals. We do different ways. In in Hebrew, it's a lot of times it's im, I am, Elohim, gods. In the beginning, gods created the heavens and the earth. So I thought there was one God. There is. Um, but we understand later on, and here we're even introduced the idea of triune God. Um, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved, into, uh, moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, the God, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Day one of creation, God said, He created the heavens and the earth, and he said, Light be. It said, Let there be light. In the Hebrew, it's light be and light was i wish you could do that money in my bank account be <laughs> yeah i'll take care of that dental bill no problem now you know whatever it is that's got you stressed out i mean uh we can't create i'm we're creative i get that you know you see at the beginning of the show and the credits created by i, I understand what they're saying you know we're creative um because we're creating the image of god but we didn't create bara to make something out of nothing. Only God does that. We don't speak things into existence. We, we don't. But we have some, some likeness to God. Here God created and there was darkness. What was the next thing he did? He spoke and light came. And we're made in his image. If you, Adam, are you telling me if we speak into darkness, light will come? Yeah, I do, I do mean that. Say, well, what should we use? Use God's word. That's what he used. He spoke, didn't just randomly speak into the darkness. He spoke his word into the darkness. And then light came. Put that in the back burner of your thinking because light's a very important topic. Here in John chapter 1 and in 1 John chapter 1, this light is a recurring theme. What is light? Well, it's the absence of darkness. What does it do? It illumines, then we can see. 
You know, we sing, you know, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, it saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. What happened? Light came. I was blind. I was, I was Bartimaeus. I was all, you know, in the most often repeated miracle by Jesus in the New Testament is giving sight to the blind. Is that a metaphor for something? Well, I want you to understand someone. He says to give sight to the blind. That was somebody who was walking around with a white cane or their version in that day who couldn't see anything. And he came and he either put mud paste in their eye, told them to go wash in Siloam or, or whatever, spit in some other guy's eye, did this, did this, did this. But he opened the eyes nonetheless. And then they could see like you and I can see. What he did for you and me, we were spiritually blind. We were groping about in darkness. We thought all kinds of weird, crazy ideas out there. And then he gave us light. He illumined. He, he, he showed us light. He, he set us on a path that we could see, that we could make our way, that we could have understanding and things that up to that point we didn't have understanding. There's a lot of people that are still groping around in the dark. What do you do? Speak, in, speak light into their lives. Use the word of God. It will work. What else will work? Um, CNN will work. <laughs> Your opinion will work. <laughs> but I jest. No, the Word of God gives light. What else? Nothing that I know about. Nothing. That's, that, it's an it's exclusive property of the, of the Word of God. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Okay, John chapter 1. Uh, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. Wait a second, I thought, I thought in the beginning Elohim. Here, Elohim is the Word, okay? presented as it's a little different in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god another hint at the trinity right the word who by the way let's give the end from the beginning and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us oh jesus yes if you think that you're absolutely correct the word person he became flesh he dwelt among us so now let's superimpose what we know about the Word over the first few verses. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, if that's not Trinitarian, I mean, here it, it doesn't talk about the Spirit specifically, but it, was, but it harks back to in the beginning, and in John, I mean in Genesis chapter 1, we see in the Spirit of God moved, literally hovered over the face of the water. So we see God the Father acting out in creation. We see here Jesus Christ acting out in creation. In Genesis, we see the Spirit of God acting out in creation. Who created the heavens and the earth? Was it God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit? Yes, the answer would be yes. Okay, and by the way, it's many times like that in Scripture. Who raised Jesus from the dead? Did the Spirit of God raise him from the dead? Yes. Did Jesus resurrect himself? Yes. Did the Father God raise Jesus from the dead? Yes. And in redemption, you know, you can't cut these things with such a fine... Jesus the Son died for our sins. I think we can make that case pretty good. Father God didn't. Spirit of God did not. But when you start talking about things like creation, resurrection, and your redemption, the whole... Godhead is actively involved in those things. So here in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, Jesus Christ. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Wait a second. Jesus is the Creator? Yeah, it says so here. All things were made by Him. What, did, what, what was made by Him 
What was made that wasn't made by him? Uh, all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. So he made, not only he was active in the creation, he created everything. There was nothing that was created without him. Incredible. Some people think that Jesus Christ is in God. I, I don't understand. I don't understand that. I think if, you know, you have a pre predisposition, you know, I, I believe in evolution. I don't believe any of this nonsense. This is all silly to me. And who cares who created because it was just a big bang in the beginning anyway. But that's not what the Bible teaches. I just want you to understand, okay? The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the creator. God the Father is the creator. And the Holy Spirit is the creator. Here, we're focusing on Jesus Christ. All things were made by him. Without him, not anything uh, made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Ah, light again. And light and life are so interconnected. Um, uh, We talk about having eternal life and we think, well, that's going to last a long time. That's good. You know, we're going to be around for a long, long time. That's not what eternal means. It means without beginning or without end. Well, wait a second, I had a beginning. You mean we're in heaven waiting around to be born like some people teach? We're, getting, we're kind of queuing up and I'm only about 8 billion from the front. That uh, should be another few weeks. Uh, uh, another few years of decades. Of my, how do you know? And, you're just, and then you're born and you come here and then that's good and then you live for a little while and you go back to heaven forever. Yay. It's not, we don't have pre-existence. There's only one pre-existent one. It's Jesus Christ. He was manifest, we'll find out. Here, um, he came to earth. We didn't come to earth. We were generated by DNA and biology and, you know, birds and bees kind of stuff, right? Um, nine months before we showed up and we celebrate our birthday, we were conceived. So, you know, nine months-ish prior to your date of birth, you were and you came into being. So how do you have eternal life? You have a beginning. You won't have an end. There's no expiration date on you. So how do you have eternal life? You have the life of Christ. In him was life, and the life was light of men. He gives you his life. He doesn't just give you longevity. It's incredible when when you think about it. What you're experiencing now is the life of Christ. Um, I always talk to people about like, you know, uh, I just can't get over my fear. You don't have any. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. <laughs> what are you talking about? He gave us a spirit of, of, of love and of power and of a sound mind. You don't have a spirit of fear. Oh, you believe in what Satan says. Oh, I understand that. I, I've done it myself. And I don't want to make you feel poorly about that or, or rain on your parade. I'm just saying, why, let's not do that together because that's silly. Why would we... How would we let Satan put fear on us. We get, it goes back to binding and loosing. We've been talking about that a lot lately. Oh, I ain't letting Satan put any fear on me. It's not of God. God didn't give me a spirit of fear. He gave me his life. I can do what? All things through him who strengthens me. Why? Because he's given me his very life. There's no limit. There's no, oh, I wish I could get over this alcohol or drugs or depression or fill in the blank or fear or Oh, I wish I could. And when people say they can't, I'm thinking like, 
You don't understand what eternal life is. You don't understand you've got a new genetic code. You don't understand what the DNA in, in you does. It, it's, it's not, oh, I just can't rise above my fear. You better stop listening to Satan. Is all I, you know, I'm just saying. And again, I'm not trying to make you feel poorly. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of spurring you on to first understand what, what we have in Christ. In him was life. The light was the light of men. And, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. If you go to King James Bible, it's one of the places where I just don't like King James. Because they missed it. Um, the, the light... The darkness comprehendeth it not. That, by the way, that's true, but that's not what the verse is saying. The verse is saying the light, uh, uh, the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness apprehended it not, or hasn't captured it, or or conquered it, or overpowered it. Which, by the way, that's very very helpful for me, because I think then the truth will always out. Because there's darkness, and there are people who have a, a propensity to extend the darkness and put us all in darkness. But this verse tells me they can't. The darkness apprehended it not. They, they couldn't squelch the light. God's got an investment in light. By the way, there's something you should watch, and you should take this down or something, or, or get on and watch this later just so you can have this. On YouTube, there's a, there's a video. Now, it's tough to watch. Don't come back and cry to me and say, oh, you told me to watch something that was very dark. I'm telling you right now, it's dark. It's, it's called Out of Darkness. Now, if you uh, go into YouTube and say Out of Darkness, okay, it, there's a lot of different things. So put Out of Darkness and then put Hollywood. That's how I found it. And this film will come up. It's an ex-stuntman who broke his back and stuff like that and found out and became born again, found out a lot of things about Hollywood that he was living in Hollywood and, do it and didn't understand. Now, it's about Pizzagate, and it's about child abuse. It's about spirit cooking. It's about why CNN is CNN. I've been telling you forever, why do you watch the news? They're lying to you. Now, if you see this, you'll understand what I've known all along. And if you're still learning, you, sh you should know that. Because some of you watch, and I don't care if it's CBS, I don't care if it's ABC or NBC. You're not getting light, you get light from the Bible, you're getting processed, you should think this way about the world. And it, they have a program to not enlighten, but to bring darkness. I promise you, that's what's going on. You say, you say oh, Adam, you, there are good news agencies. There, but the whole world lieth in wickedness. We're going to find out in this sacred book, First John. The whole world is asleep in the lap of the wicked one, literally, is what the verse is saying. Now, you can't call God's word about, uh, the Bible. You can't say God's lying. Why is that so? Because the whole world is asleep in the lap of the wicked one. Except for a few people that I'm looking at and others across the world who have escaped the darkness. It's very important. But you think it's just like we blunder into one Satan advancing cause one right after another accidentally. No, there's a managed agenda. Satan's not stupid. He's moving the pieces around the board in such and such a way. You say, well, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. How do I know that the wool's not being pulled over my eyes or that it is or that? I'm, I'm telling you, read the book and don't tune into Satan's managed 
But okay, watch the watch it, and then if you can sit through it all and it doesn't, it's very going to be very 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 disruptive to you. But you'll understand some things. It's all darkness. It's all darkness on purpose for a reason. And God delivers us from the darkness. I really was once blind, and now I see. But once I see, it's like, what is it, the blue pill or the red pill? I can't remember which one. Once you swallow it, forget it. It's down the rabbit hole, and you'll never, you'll never be the same. Um, let's skip verses 6 and 7 there and go to uh, verse 9. That was the true light, talking about this word. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. So the world didn't comprehend him. The world knew him not. That, that When it's saying it, it didn't comprehend him, it's true. And I, but I say it's, it's really what verse 10 is saying. But they're trying to overcome the light back in uh, verse 5 because Satan wants to keep you in darkness, but he's not able to. Our dad can beat their dad. Something you always want to be aware of on Father's Day. We, we, don't, we don't fear Satan. We, we have victory over him. He was in the world. The world was made by him. The world knew him not. He came unto his own. His own received him not. Is that saying Israel? Yeah, it is actually. But don't say, oh, see how terrible that. No, no, no. He came into his own humanity and humanity received him not. So, I mean, don't, don't try to, like, you know, parse this out in such a way that we're blaming somebody else. We have the same problem. He came in his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him to them, he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. Is that religion? God, what, what are you talking about? There's no religion there. As many as received him. How do I become Christian? Well, you've got to join Jehovah's Witness or Mormonism or one of these, and you've got to do all the things that they tell you. Hogwash. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So when somebody says, how do I become a Christian? You say, receive Jesus, believe on his name. you got scripture. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what the Bible tells us. That's an hallelujah place for me. Because I think like, oh my goodness, like, I was trying, I was on the treadmill trying to earn God's favor, and I didn't realize he loved me all the time. I was always in his favor. He always, all he, he wanted me to do is receive him. Not do a bunch of great works. Good works important? Yeah, after you get saved. He has before ordained that we should walk in those good works. Yeah, yeah. But you trying to do good works to get him to love you? How silly is that? He already loves us. He already died for us. He already has redeemed us. What, what's left? Well, we receive him. And then we have the power to become the sons of God. Read his sons and daughters of God. God's equal opportunity that way. Which were born, read here, born again, because it's not a spirit, it's not a physical birth, it's a spiritual birth, which were born not of blood, nor of the not, not of blood, right? It's not a physical thing. Not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. God desired to make you born again. And the word was made flesh, the word from verse one. That word, Jesus Christ, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, John says. I was there, I was an eyewitness. And he's going to build on that in First John. Uh, we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We're told uh, later on that grace and truth, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And let's go to First John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning. Ah, now we understand what the beginning is. 
He was from the beginning. When the beginning rolled around, he was there already. So he was pre-beginning. How do you begin before the beginning? He's God. <laughs> you know, you want me to draw a picture? I don't, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know. I don't know. I, it's hard to talk about time without using time words. It's hard to talk about time when time wasn't. Because when he said light be and he created the universe, that's when matter, energy, and time came into existence. What about before that? There was no time. I had to use the word before to tell you about a time outside of time. So has got a guy who has like lots of time on his hands? No, he's outside of time altogether. You're not getting older in heaven. You know, days on passing. We use that thing. when we've been there 10,000 years. You won't be there 10,000 years. They don't have years. They don't have days. They don't have hours. They don't have minutes. They don't say, how do you know when to do something? I don't know. <laughs> we'll get there. It'll be like an orientation week. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, we'll, we'll figure it out as we go. But I will tell you this. It's, it's, it's like really crazy good. You have all the time to do all the because you don't have any time and there's no clock ticking. What are you late for anyway? Your dentist appointment? There are dentists in heaven, but they're not practicing. Just so you know. Okay? It's a wonderful place with, um, I guess I'd say Kate's mom. She's home and they're just counting, counting down the time. And we were no visitors when we're talking to her. And I say talking to her, you know, you're always hopeful. You know, people can understand, you know, she's not speaking. She's either asleep or listening. We don't know. They say the, the ears are the last thing to go. Hearing's the last thing to go. So speak truth and speak encouragement and speak the word of God. We had prayer time and it's a good place. It's wonderful. We're so nervous about getting there. And then I'm sure like once we're there, it's like, well, I was all nerved up about it. This is ridiculous. Why was I why was I so scared? He's our loving Heavenly Father and He's prepared good things for us. That which was from the beginning which we have heard. I heard him. I heard him. Say, what, was he in the next room? No, I, he was right there with me, um, which we have seen with our eyes. I saw him. I heard him, I saw him, which we have looked upon. That's not the same as seen. That's studied. That's like gazed intently. That's trying to figure some out, some, doing some pondering there, not glanced at him. Oh, there's Jesus over there. Cool. No, we looked on him. We we, we had plenty of time, three, three and a half years, and I, and our hands have handled. Um, he's talking against Gnosticism, and Gnosticism's still around. It was a first century cult. And one of the things they taught was Jesus, he wasn't here physical. Phys your physical is evil, everything is evil, and Jesus didn't have a physical, he's more like a phantom. You know, and that was one of their stupid ideas, frankly, stupid ideas. And John says, nope, nope, ixnay. We handled him. He had physicalness, you know. Imagine they're climbing the hills of Judea and they were, you know, elbowing and knocking into each other and helping each other up. And there was, you know, I saw him eat, I saw him bleed, I saw him die. You know, we handled him of the word of life. For the life was manifested. What does manifested mean? It means to make known. Now we have a manifesto. 
you know, I think like um, I've heard, uh, you know, the Sermon on the Mount called the Manifesto of the Monarch. Oh, I like that because of, of the alliteration, but that's what he is. This is like, hey, I'm here now. Let me tell you how. And he, I don't think he teaches anything new. He takes the Old Testament and he says, this is what I meant all along. And he kind of clarifies in such and such a way. He says, you know, you've heard it said, don't don't kill. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I'm telling you, this is what I meant all along. You even look at a woman thinking, hmm, hmm, wouldn't that be, uh, 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 you've already committed adultery in your heart. Don't do that. And he's, and he, so he takes what, you know, scripture says, what he said from the beginning, and he elevates it in such a way and draws us out and shows us, like, this is what I meant. This is what you're, I don't think you're getting. And um, so manifest is to make known. The life was manifested. What life? The word of life, which our hands handled. Uh, the fact that he's an eyewitness. So there's two um, gospels, both John and Matthew, that are written by apostles that were with him right from the beginning. The gospel of Mark, I believe, was written by Mark, John Mark, who was a friend of Peter, and Peter is probably recounting it, and that's so still an eyewitness account, although Peter didn't physically write it, Mark did. Now Luke is a little bit different. Luke's, Luke's a Gentile doctor, and he went around, he interviewed, and he's an incredible historian, but you know, he, he gets things that like nobody else has, like you know, the visit of the Magi. Who did he get that from? I think he interviewed Mary, Jesus' mom, and asked her questions that only she would know. Wait, uh, and you know, and she brought forth her firstborn son. Wait a second, brought forth? You mean you were the OBGYN? Because they didn't have that. But I mean, you delivered him? Yeah, well, Joseph was kind of helpless, and you know, and <laughs> he was like, he got the skinny from, I, I, if I say the horse's mouth, that, that sounds like a pejorative. He got a firsthand account is what I'm trying to say. Okay, so, um, and, he, and he got it right. So we're, we're not, you know, people say, oh, you believe that book? That's an old book. No, it's not an old book. It's timeless. It's, it's as fresh as tomorrow's newspaper, except this is true and tomorrow's newspaper won't be, except the jumble, okay? That's all I'm saying. And maybe some comics, I don't know. Crossword puzzles probably okay. But anyway, this is, this is fresh. This is new. This is reliable. It's not an old book. It was written by... I, it was an eyewitness account. I, I tell you, I, I said this before, there's an accident out here and we all see it and, and you know, because people were at fault and someone was hurt and there's liabilities and someone's going to lodge some money, they ask us what we saw and, and I say, well, wait, there's going to be someone 2,000 years from now who's going to you know, look back on this event, write a book about it and we'll follow what he says. What, what, is that unadmissible in court? Because it should be. But here's eyewitness account. Here's somebody who's actually there saying, hey, let me tell you something. Uh, we, we, we handle them. We saw them. Life was manifest. We have seen it. We bear witness. We show unto you that eternal life, which was in the Father and was manifested unto us, made known. Okay? That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Don't make anything up. We already found out in Second Peter. No scriptures of any private interpretation. Hey, that which we have seen and heard, we're telling you, we're declaring it unto you, that you may have, and there's a reason for that, that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Is that important? Yeah. Yeah, very important. I want you to have fellowship with us, John's saying, and our fellowship is with God, and it's with Jesus Christ. So, 
Is that important? So it's fellowship. It's two fellows on the same ship. One has said, yeah, but I want to develop that idea. It's the Greek word is koinonia. I don't think we do koinonia in America very well. It's sharing lives on a soul level. It's more than just like friends. Or it could be friends. Um, it's, it's, it, even spouses don't necessarily have koinonia, especially if you're married to a non-believer. And by the way, if that's the truth, I'm sorry about that. That's a hard thing. That would be hard. That would be unspeakably hard. I, I think about it sometimes, and my heart goes out. Um, so we're we're literally, you know, we've had the physical, you know, and the two shall be one flesh kind of thing going. Great, praise you, Lord. That's a wonderful thing. But we're so, we're soulmates. We're kindred spirits. We're besties. But I, I like that. I like that, that we're like, uh, we, we, we share life on a, on a soul level, on an on a, on a eternal level, and on a kindred spirit level. You know, that's, that's, so you have to be married to that person? No, no, I've done this, because um, with people you just meet, or you haven't even met them yet, and you say, I bet that person, I bet that guy's a believer. Have you done that? Have you, have you seen this? It, it's quite a phenomenon. Why? Because the Spirit of God in you is, telling you and spirit of god in him is there's a kind of a connection and a bond and then we meet and then we find out that we are and we're instantly like homeboy he's like you know and i don't know how to say it. it's fellowship it's people who i normally wouldn't even agree with or like that much we have we're, we're knit together in such and such a way um look at verse nine of chapter two is this an important thing this fellowship yeah, he that saith he is in the light, in other words, Christian, right? And hateth his brothers and doctors even till now. John, how do you really feel? He's going to say through things like this. Oh, if you say this, but you're actually doing, you're a liar. You're a liar. I don't know how to say it. And it's kind of like, this is all through the book, so don't get offended. He's, his word's not mine. You say you're in the light. You say you're born again. You say you love Jesus. You say he's your savior, but you hate your brother. No, you're still in darkness. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness has blinded uh, his eyes. So the light and dark and love and fellowship, it's all there. And we're all on one side of it or another. There's no, like, mixing here. So I don't... I, I talked to one person one time. She said, I love the Lord. I just don't like people. I'm thinking, like... That's not even possible. That's not even possible. Um, God loved the whole world. You say you love Him, but you don't love His crowning achievement, His most glorious creation, the ones He came and died for. You, you're indifferent to it. I think He would. You want to do some soul searching, something like that. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, and that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things right unto the joy may be full. I want to talk about joy here just for a minute and close up with this. Joy and happiness are different things. Okay, God says joy and He guarantees it. The Constitution says, is a preamble or the declaration, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You can pursue it. We guarantee you can pursue it. I guarantee you this. There's nothing in the lot, your life that's going to make you more miserable than pursuing happiness. There's nothing 
it's going to make you more miserable than pursuing happiness. People say, that's the reason to be. That's my whole thing. That's why I, want. I think this will make me happy. The new car or this wife or this job or this, if my sports team wins the Super Bowl or the World Series or whatever it is you think, this is it. This is the goal. This, is, this will make me so happy. When you finally get there, you're going to find out something. Ugh, that's all there is. I want fame, I want fortune. When you climb that mountain, you get to the top and everyone knows your name and everyone, you, you can't even eat in a restaurant, people running up getting your autograph. Everyone knows who you are and you have all the money you could possibly want. You can say, huh, I climbed the wrong mountain. Is this all there is? Chasing happiness and finding it is such a downer. Now God says, well, it's on circumstance. It's all like, you know, when things are going good for you, you're going to be happy. When things are going bad, you're going to be unhappy. I get something better. It's called joy. And I've written these things that your joy might be full. I want you to be upbeat, happy, uh, complete. I don't want you to be searching and, and always looking and always like, oh, if I just, oh, no, 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 no. You can go to a funeral or a wedding with God and be joyful. You can, no matter circumstances, you lose your job, you can get a great job. You're, you can buy a new truck. Your truck can crash. None of that stuff will hurt your joy. I've written these things unto you that your joy may be full. I, I have a I have a MO. I have a long view. I want you to be joyful in me. Joy outside of me? That's so dependent on which way the wind's blowing. What was the lot? Your team won? Yay! Your team lost, and you get your face all in the mud. You're Things are, there's an ebb and flow to life. You bought the scratch ticket and you won two bucks and you're all excited. You, you didn't get the $2 winner and now like, oh, I can't believe I lost $2. Uh, it's just, and life is like that. It's just, it's just who cares? <laughs> and there's joy always in the Lord, despite circumstances. It's got nothing to do with anything. And he's planned that for us. Uh, I've written these things unto you that your joy may be full. And we'll develop that. That's what the whole book's about, okay, in the coming weeks. Invite people. That was just a prologue. We're going to get into some of these verses. And again, like I say, life will never going to be the same. Let's stand. Let's pray. Our uh, worship guys will send us out of here in song. And Father, we thank you for this. Just, just a... Uh, dabbling, getting our toes wet, as it were, in this incredible book. But Father, I, my, my promise now, I might, what I've been saying is it'll change us forever. We would. We would be changed forever for glory and for good. And, and I'm not saying everyone here is broken and need to be fixed. That would be very judgmental. But no matter where we are, we want to be closer to you. We want to seek your face. We want to be more in the, in the pilgrim way. We want to be close to you. We want to enjoy more of your, your company, of your graciousness, of your blessing. So, Lord, to that end, I pray you'd bless this book. Now, may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.